So this morning, we are, be, we are carrying on our series on being in Christ. And this morning, um, we're looking at, I am in Christ righteous. In Christ, it's one of, the, one of the key ways that Paul uses to describe what is now true of someone who's become a Christian. And so, in looking at this uh, theme this morning, this truth, in Christ I am righteous, we're going to be um, looking at a passage of Scripture, a passage from the Bible, from Romans chapter 4, verses 4 to 8. And if you don't have a Bible, don't worry, but it will come up on the screen. So, Romans chapter 4, and 4 to 8. So I'm going to read this and I'm going to pray for us. Now, to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Lord Jesus, we love you. We come this morning knowing we are dearly, dearly loved children of God. sons and daughters of the king as um, Sarah so wonderfully sang out and we come to encounter you we come to hear you Lord I want to ask Lord would we not just hear my words this morning but the very words that you want to speak to us would you encounter us through your word this morning Would your spirit move um, amongst us and transform us and stir us and excite us for who you are and who we are in you? Amen. Okay, so we have this passage, Romans, where Paul is, is, this is Paul's letter to the church in Rome, and he's really setting out the gospel of God, the joy news of Jesus. And he's kind of expanding on that in this passage that we're reading this morning. And I have another confession to make, actually. Oh, oh, all the heads look up. I, I, I confess, if you, like, if you like writing notes this morning, I'm going to confess that there's, there's little structure to this morning. There's, in my in my kind of being just overawed by the fact that we read in this passage that it's God who justifies the ungodly. Structure went out of the window. Points went out of the window. How can you, how can you box into some kind of structure the fact that God justifies the ungodly? 
I'm mystified by it. I'm amazed by it. But actually we worship in it. And so probably this morning is more a sense of some notes to worship God and to know that he's the one that justifies the ungodly. See, in our culture, we don't really talk about righteousness that much, do we? We don't really kind of talk about a, a righteous person that much. We, we might talk about people who we think are self-righteous. And look at them, they are so self-righteous. So intolerant, we mean. So, so morally superior, and they want everyone else to know about it. You know, no one likes this characteristic, do they? It's not a nice thing if someone says about you. Oh, they're so self-righteous. But when talking about righteousness, where do we start? We start with God. It starts with him. God is righteous. This is what the Bible complains. Uh, this is what the Bible proclaims. He's righteous. Listen, Isaiah 45, verse 19. I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. And then Psalm 19, verse 8. The precepts of the Lord are right. That just means his commands, um, his, uh, uh, his instructions. They're right. Giving joy to the heart. And so if you want a definition of righteousness, as if we could ever truly understand a definition of righteousness, we have one uh, on the screen from Wayne Grudem, who's a, a, a Bible theologian, and he says, God's righteousness means that God always acts in accordance with what is right and is himself the final standard of what is right. That's right. A little bit of worship there from our newest congregational person. So God himself is the final standard of righteousness. There's no standard outside of him by which we can measure righteousness. All he does and speaks is right and just. So if God's standards and God's commands are righteous, what about us? What about humans? What about you and me? We haven't got time to go back into the detail of the, 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 the preceding chapters of Romans, but really there, Paul is kind of setting out, amongst other things, a case for God's righteousness and humans' unrighteousness. And he kind of says, look, the Old Testament law shows this to be the case. He says, you know, the, the, the Ten Commandments, um, God's law to the people of Israel, kind of shows this to be right. It's, it, it's shown, it showed the people and it shows us that really we want to rebel against the heart of God. I want to live how I want to live. And then Paul goes on in Romans after this to kind of say, well, do you know, God's law isn't there to make you righteous as such. It's there to show how unrighteous you are. You know, you don't get righteous by obeying the rules simply. No, no, the law shows us that I'm, I'm sinful in my thoughts, in my actions, in my words. But most of all, it shows that I'm unrighteous 
because I'm not right with God. Sin makes that the case. I'm not right with God. See, the heart of unrighteousness isn't simply broken rules, isn't simply commands that haven't been followed. It's a broken relationship. See, let me illustrate it here with uh, the help of my friend Paul and uh, some uh, other little things. Pardon? (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Perfect. Thank you. Just give him a round of applause. Well done, Paul. (laughs) See, okay, we've got some jugs here. Can we see that? Can we all see? No. Uh, yes. Okay, so, so imagine this is our lives. For some of us, for some of us we, try and, we, we try and achieve righteousness by what we can do. What things can we do? And we kind of see it up as, we kind of try and top it up. You know, if I can do enough of those good things, maybe, maybe one a day, I can top it up and eventually I can, uh, maybe eventually if I do enough of them during, the, during my lifetime, I can fill it up to the top and I can count myself righteous. But the problem is, the problem is try, try as much as we as much as we try, we'll have a good day. Might have a good day, get quite a bit in there. Uh, and then, then we'll have a bad day and we'll just miss all together. And, uh, and then, you know, we'll make a mess and then it'll be okay again and we'll be doing well and we'll have life back on track. I think I, think I can manage righteousness myself. I think I can do some good things to impress God. And then it happens again. And then it's all over the place. Uh, and then we realise that actually even... Even sometimes the good things we do, we do with a bad attitude. And we realise they're not actually good things, they're actually polluted things, and it it kind of ends up looking dirty and looking just a bit of horrid and clouded. Try as much as we try to achieve righteousness through our own good efforts and our own good abilities. We can't do it. We can't. Because we realise, actually, it's, it, every time it's the tiniest of drops in the ocean. And we'll never, never manage it. You might hear it referred to, and we sometimes refer to it as this, trying to be righteous through our own works, through our own good efforts. There's only one person who has lived a righteous life. Jesus. God come to earth. God in the flesh. Jesus in all his righteousness. Imagine this jug represents Jesus' life and righteousness. Righteous to the full. In fact, it's, in fact it's, it can't get any fuller. In fact, it's, you know, there we go. 
always obedient to God the Father, always right in what he said he did and did, always loving, always faithful. Listen, this is a serious issue. Let's not make light of it because we're using water and using jugs. Listen, if this is a this is serious stuff. We need to get right with God if we find ourselves here. But when we choose to trust in Jesus, we're forgiven. All our sin is forgiven. All our disobedience is forgiven. The death that Jesus died on the cross meant that he died in your place and my place. Died for your sin and for my sin. Forgiven. We're forgiven. But you know, it's not simply that we've come to some kind of neutral position with God and now he's okay with us. It's fine. He's forgiven stuff and we have a clean slate, as it were. Forgiven, we're in. Ground floor, we're in. No, no, it's not just a neutral position he's brought us to. But now, when God looks at Jesus' righteousness, he sees it as yours. He counts it as yours. Do you see? He brings us to a place where it's not just as if we never did anything wrong, but it's as if we did everything right. He reckons Jesus' righteousness as yours. He considers it yours. This is wonderful news. Listen, this is what we read. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. Christ's righteousness is credited as mine. I didn't earn it, like wages. I put my trust in Jesus. See, Paul's using an accounting term here, crediting it as righteousness, considering it as yours, reckoning in it as... recognizing it, reckoning it as yours. See, if you've worked, you deserve your wages, don't you? If you work, young people here with jobs, you know, you go and do a day's work, an evening's work, you do paper round, you do um, your shift, you expect to get your wages. They're given to you as an obligation. You've earned them. But if it's a gift credited to you, you didn't earn it. There's no obligation to give it to you. It's what clever theologian types call imputed righteousness. God counts Jesus' righteousness as mine. Do you want to go deeper with this? Do you have more fun with the water? Okay. See, see, some people down the years have wrongly thought that by trusting in Jesus, God in some way makes them righteous. So we're going to have to... Oh, goodness. We're going to have to pull this out. We're going to have to start again. See, some people have seen it like this. That when we trust in Jesus, God 
makes us, internally changes us, and makes us righteous. We're righteous. We've been made righteous. And on the basis of that righteousness, he counts us forgiven, righteous, justified. You might say, well, is there much difference in that? That, well, God makes us righteous and internally changes us and, and makes us righteous. Is there much difference? Well, actually, they go further. Then they say, well, when you sin, well, you might lose some of that righteousness. You might be less righteous now. What are you going to do to top it up? Hey, you're going to have to top it up by doing some good things. You're going to have to top it up by doing certain rituals. You're going to have to top it up by doing certain acts until you get it back up to the right level. And hey, if you die before that's topped up, hey, you're going to have to decide what's that going to mean for you because you haven't topped it back up to the right level of righteousness. See, this this was a battleground for the church some 500 years ago. But do you know what? Sometimes we can think of it like that too. We can. I mess up. I've sinned. I'm less righteous. What am I going to do? What am I going to do to get it back up? What things am I going to have to do to, to please God to get it back to the right level of righteousness? Is that true? No. Because my righteousness is based on Jesus and his righteousness. He's my righteousness. And his righteousness doesn't change. Can't add to it. Can't take away from it. Listen. While we're on the subject this morning of confessions, do you know what? Sometimes... Sometimes I think I'm not as righteous as the people around me. Do you know what? Sometimes I think my fellow elders are more righteous than I am. And so I find myself thinking, well, what am I going to do to show myself to be more righteous than them? How am I going to pray harder than them? How am I going to be kinder than them? How am I going to serve harder than they do? Am I really adding anything to my righteousness, to Christ's righteousness? Really? Can I add anything? No, no, I need to understand. You know, when I woke up this morning, hey, I'm righteous in Christ. You know, what happens, what happens today, whatever happens today, I'm going to bed righteous in Christ. And that's true for you today here. If you're a Christian today, you woke up righteous in Christ because God counts it as your righteousness. He sees it as your righteousness. And when you go to bed, whatever your day involves, he looks at the righteousness of Christ and counts it as yours. It's wonderful grace. It's wonderful news. We celebrate it. To the one to the one who works, wages are credited. Uh, not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. But to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly. So what is the point 
what, what is the point then of living a godly life? Well, there's every point. But do you know what? To, to just kind of quote the Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he says, do you know, if you don't get people asking that question, you probably haven't preached grace and righteousness right. Let's just for a minute, just pause. Before we get on that question, how do we live a godly life? What's the point of living a godly life? If actually Jesus' righteousness is given to us. Listen, let's just pause and just almost, as it were, drink in that truth. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, when he looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. You may have had the worst week of your life this week. But guess what? He counts you righteous because you're in Christ. If you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, do you know what, at the end, I'm going to just explain a little bit more about how you can become a Christian how you can say, I know that Jesus' righteousness is enough for me. So let's come back to this question. Well, does it matter how I live then? Well, it does. It really does. But the motivation for how you live isn't to earn righteousness. It's because of righteousness. This is the message of the gospel. Live out what is now true about you? Let's, let's look at the, uh, the psalm that was quoted in our passage this morning. The Apostle Paul goes on, he, does, he quotes uh, King David in one of his psalms. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteous apart from works. Blessed are those whose, transgress- whose transgressions are forgiven whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Why would I want to go back to them? When I'm blessed. Because he doesn't count them against me anymore. Why would I want to go back to those sins that I previously did? To those attitudes I previously had? See, Paul's quoting from David there in Psalm 32. And some people think that perhaps that David wrote that potentially after one of the lowest moments of his life when he committed adultery with Bathsheba, when he tried to lie to cover it up, when he effectively murdered her husband. Yet God brings him to a place where he can know and experience his forgiveness and know I'm blessed because my transgressions are forgiven. Because he won't count them against me. Listen, whatever you have done, there's forgiveness and there's grace. And you can know that same truth this morning. And you can know, why, why would I go back to what I was like? 
I'm changed forever. And I've received righteousness. This is great grace. This is not the attitude of, oh, I can just do whatever I like now. No, this is the attitude of, I'm freed. I'm freed from that stuff. I can live the life that God's called me to live instead. See, living the Christian life doesn't happen out of rules. It doesn't happen out of fear of what might God, what might God think of me. That's no, a spiritual activity. Let's turn to another passage in Romans. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Eating and drinking. It's kind of referring to the types of people who kind of say, do you know, if you want to please God, you've got to do the right things. You've got to eat the right food. That's what people were saying in Paul's time. You've got to celebrate the right festivals. You've got to not eat the wrong thing. You've got to do this ritual. Paul's saying, no, no, it's about life in the Spirit. It's about receiving God the Spirit. He teaches us how to be joyful. He teaches us how to be peaceful. He teaches us righteous living. So it's kind of like, so when you're at school, or when you find yourself at work, and your friends say, do you know, we're going to do this. Hey, we found a way to cheat in our exams. Hey, we're going to do it. Or we found a way in our business to earn more money, but it's unethical. Now, there's something that God's Spirit says to us, do you know, I'm just not comfortable with that. You know, I just can't go there. That's not who I am now. No, no, I'm going to follow God and his ways instead. I'm going to choose righteousness in that decision and in that choice. It's not me. So what about, what about when we do get it wrong? Well, maybe it doesn't matter. What about when we do sin? Maybe it doesn't matter because, hey, we've got Jesus' righteousness. It doesn't matter. No, no, it does. But we know we can come to the one who forgives. See, we have, a, we have an enemy who doesn't want us to do that, don't we? We have an enemy who wants us to think, well, hey, you messed up this week. Hey, do, hey you better call it off with God for a few days. He's really mad at you. Hey, you want to, you know, he's there. He, that en- our enemy is ready to accuse us at any opportunity. But we know we can come before God for forgiveness. We can come before him. No, no, I'm coming to him because I know I'm righteous in his sight. I know he forgives what I've done. I know I can come to him and seek forgiveness. And I know his righteousness Um, is credited to me and it's the same yesterday, today and forever and I know I can come to him and find grace to live differently. It's what sustains us. It really does. It's what sustains us. We have an enemy who will want to accuse us at any moment possible. And we need to know. know, I'm not looking to my own righteousness to Christ. It's credited to me. Okay, we are almost finished and I'm going to finish with a story which I, I kind of feel sums this whole 
righteousness in Christ up. And uh, it's a story about an Englishman named John. John was born in the Midlands. He's actually born near Bedford. Anyone from the Midlands? Will. Not far from Bedford, are you, actually? And uh, John, John was very poor. His family were very poor. He had a spell in the army. He kind of ended up being a, a travelling repairman, really. Uh, what they would call a tinker. And he would go around repairing people's pots and pans and stuff. And uh, he didn't really grow up knowing God. And when he was 16, his mum and his sister kind of died in very short succession. And it kind of led to really just a kind of what he would call an open rebellion against God. His life, his attitudes, his actions really reflected hate for God. He said, do you know, if there was, if there was some kind of uh, uh, sinful behavior going on, I was the ringleader. I would always be in the middle. But God was on his case. And God gradually worked at John. And day by day, he changed. And then on one normal day, God captivated John's attention. And he tells it like this, in his own words. But one day, as I was passing into the field, with some dashes on my conscience, fearing yet that all was not right, suddenly this sentence fell upon my soul. Your righteousness is in heaven. I thought I saw with the eyes of my soul Jesus Christ at God's right hand. There was my righteousness. Wherever I was, or whatever I was doing, God could not say of me that I lacked his righteousness. For that was ever before him. Moreover, I saw that it was not my good frame of heart that made my righteousness better, nor my bad frame that made my righteousness worse. For my righteousness was Jesus Christ himself, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now did my chains fall off my legs. Indeed, I was loosed from my afflictions and irons. My temptations all fled away, also fled away. Then he finishes by saying, Now I went home rejoicing for the grace and the love of God. His full name was John Bunyan, and he went on to become one of the most famous authors of his time. He wrote a book called Pilgrim's Progress, which I'm sure many of us have read, and he tells of his own experience in that book, really of coming to faith in Jesus through lots of stories. He spent 12 years in prison for his faith. Do you know what? John Bunyan wasn't deluded by some kind of belief of self-righteousness that due to his years in prison or his work as a minister that he was righteous in his own um, abilities. Neither did, he, neither did he believe that his former life barred him from ever having any sense of righteousness in his life. No, no, he believed that Christ was righteous, was his righteousness, and he was enough. So he'd come to see that at the cross, 
Jesus had exchanged his unrighteousness for righteousness. Jesus had taken on John's unrighteousness. And in exchange, credited him righteousness. What about you? Have you been captivated by the love of God in him crediting Christ's righteousness to you? Not earned, but yours forever. And are you making right choices in life based on that? Based on what is now true about you? Let's pray for a moment as we finish. Listen, perhaps you are perhaps you are here this morning and you would say you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. You haven't made uh, you haven't made any decision in your life to trust in Jesus, to follow Jesus, however you want to put it. You wouldn't say you know his righteousness in your life. Well, do you know what? Today you can. Today you can. And it starts by coming in your, in your heart to, to all that is true of the cross of Jesus Christ. Coming with recognizing your unrighteousness recognizing your disobedience towards God, recognizing that you're not in right relationship with him, but seeing that on the cross, Jesus took on the punishment of that unrighteousness, the punishment of that rebellion, and paid the price for it. so that not only could you know forgiveness in life, but know his righteousness that's counted as yours. To know that as he looks upon you, he looks on the righteousness of Christ. And it's as if you got everything right. Perhaps you've never done that before. Why don't you, to use a religious word that we often use in church, why don't you confess that to him now? Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for those years of rebellion to you. I'm I'm, I'm coming to receive forgiveness. I'm coming to know that you give me Christ's righteousness as a free gift because of the faith and the trust I'm putting in you. And for all of us, listen, we have an enemy that wants to rob us of that. He wants our eyes to be on anything else than the righteousness of Jesus. He would much prefer us to be trying to put our efforts into trying to 
create some kind of righteousness in our own life. than to look on and delight in the righteousness of Jesus. You may just, you may even this week have thought, you know, he's been trying to rob me of that. Listen, this morning, make a decision, say, no, no, I'm going I'm, I'm to choose to delight in the righteousness of Jesus that is mine forever. It won't change. I can't add anything to it. I can't take away anything from it. It's mine forever. But just as we just stay in this moment, I believe God wants to do uh, work in us, in our hearts by the Spirit. If the band could come up, because we're going to sing a final song as we finish, to declare all that we've been talking about, all that we've heard, Spirit of God, would you speak deep words of truth into our hearts? Where we've, where we've fumbled around trying to scrape together and scrap together our own form of righteousness in our lives. Now let's look on, on yours. Let us be delighted by yours. Let us know afresh this morning that it's credited to our account, to our lives. And Lord, help us to live it out from here on in. Help us to live in the light of that righteousness as we declare to Teesside your gospel. That right relationship with God is found in Christ. Help us to do that in actions. Help us to do that in words. Help us to do that with our friends. Help us to do that in our workplaces and at our schools and in um, wherever we may find ourselves. We love you and we delight in the righteousness of Christ, which is ours forever. Why don't we stand and why don't we sing this song together, really as a declaration of we're standing in Christ's righteousness.